Welcome to Naturopathy Today. Your hosts are Dr. Michael Schwartz and Steve Langford. Join them as they guide you on a journey to good health through holistic naturopathy. Now here are Michael and Steve. And welcome back to another informative, exciting, provocative <laughs> naturopathy today with your guides, Michael and Steve Lankford. Hello, everyone. Hi, Michael. Good morning, Steve. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Every day is a good day. I try to make it that way. And certainly my time with you is part of my best part of the day. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I feel the same. I, I always say, you know, any day on this side of the dirt's a good day. <laughs> I agree. At our age, <laughs> absolutely. You know, alive. <laughs> it really is. And these are very interesting times to be alive in. You know, I got a couple of interesting emails. So I want to take a pause here from our cardiovascular discussions and address these couple of emails because they really are important. One of them was very challenging in the sense that Bob T asks, how is it that you think you know what causes cancer when my doctor doesn't? And I really had to think about that in a sense from, well, you know, maybe your doctor does. So my question to you, Bob, would be, and, and I did, Bob and I have communicated since I got the email. And I said, Bob, did you ever ask your doctor what causes cancer? Well, you know, no, I don't think I did. And so it may be that your doctor, if you're dealing with some type of cancer, that your doctor does know the cause. He may not be willing to share it. And so I thought that I would answer this question to everybody so you all know where the information is coming from. I think you've heard Steve and I talk about the Merck manual, that it is the doctor's Bible. Well, I first became aware of cancer because obviously I've had relatives die from it. My mother developed breast cancer when she was in her 40s, which is about 60 years ago because she passed at 93 and she's been dead five or six years. So she had breast cancer then. And, and quite honestly, um, I was just getting into the health food movement. I became, you know, vegetarian, health conscious. And actually I did, I started in the health food industry now that I think about it, because we were getting ready to move to Florida to take over a territory. At any rate, as time evolved and before I started the company, I ended up with a mentor, a Dr. Peter Rothschild. Steve, does that name ring a bell with you? Do you have any idea? I don't know him, no. Okay. He actually wrote uh, a lot of books. In fact, in, in one of Jordan Rubin's books, Peter did a review. In fact, when I saw the title, The Maker's Diet or The Maker's Plan, I had a printout from Peter called One or the Other. So I called Peter. I said, Peter, did you write the book for Jordan Rubin, The Maker's Plan or whatever? He said, no, 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 I didn't do that. Okay, fine. Anyway, uh, Peter was a professor of immunology, and he taught immunology at the Universidad in Mexico City. He was a Mexican national. And he had an office in Matamoros, which is where I met him, because he was sending me patients for vitamins and minerals because he liked my formulas. So 
we became friends. He came over to the States and uh, I was working at major health food store in McAllen, Texas. And Peter and I became friends. He became my mentor for 15 years before he passed. And he had told me that one of the causes of cancer was mutated proteins. That was one thing. And then something else occurred and I started looking into it. So I went to the Merck manual and this is what I found. So y'all can validate this for yourselves. Now, the Merck manual, I'm looking at the 20th edition, which is the newest one out. They update them about every four or five years. This was done in 2018. The Merck manual goes all the way back to 1899. And you've heard Steve and I refer to it as the doctor's Bible. This particular uh, edition has 3,500 pages. So it's not something you're going to sit down and read. However, on page 1170, you will see where it talks about genetic mutations being the cause of cancer. And it says in E.G. chemicals are one of the causes for genetic mutations. So there it is in the doctor's Bible. Steve, have you come across that kind of information out in some of the other cancer books in our industry? Well, I tell you the truth, Michael, I haven't delved that deeply. This is one of the topics that I have to say I'm not very comfortable advising people on, um, though I do. I give them nutritional advice as to how I think they might deal with it. But getting down to explaining the cause of cancer, that's beyond my pay grade. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the reasons I interview people is because I like to learn. And this is kind of what I do, you know, HealthQuest podcast. I've interviewed you and many other experts. And there have been a couple on cancer, but we never really got down to the cause of it. Certainly, it's one of those things where my belief is whatever you're dealing with, there are ways to improve your approach to your health, whether it be cancer, heart disease, or whatever. Amen. And so I'm very much looking forward to hearing this uh talk that you're going to give on some of these issues. Well, that's good because that'll raise questions and it's good to have a curious mind. I don't want to dwell, you know, because I do have this set up for us to really get in deep down the road. But some of the, the casual observations are the fact that all cancers share the same element, and that is genetic mutations. So the question comes up, what causes the genetic mutations? And obviously, the Merck manual gives one example as being chemicals. Another is hormone therapy, the estrogen therapy, the progestin therapy, oral contraceptives, and obviously, you know, damaged genes passed on. And so what happens, and, and you probably have heard the term oncogenes, these are abnormal forms of normal genes. And what the normal genes do, obviously, is they regulate various aspects of cellular growth. And then I found the exact protein that stimulates cancer, and it's a RAS protein. And, you know, the body runs, and we talked about this, on enzymes and proteins. And that's why it's so vital. And, and I'm sure we have both said this 
countless times, you really need a good high potency B complex because the B vitamins technically are coenzymes. They're involved in every enzymatic process you go through. And proteins are manufactured in the cells because they do the rest of the work. You know, you have anti-tumor proteins, you got regulating proteins, you got, and, and this is where the problem lies in because this RAS protein is the one that regulates cell division. So when it gets damaged by a toxin, a chemical that's alien to the body, but in the food, in the water, in the air, in the cosmetics that we apply to the skin. Whatever you put on your skin ends up in your bloodstream. So these are all the different ways we stimulate cancer within. Isn't that amazing? Well, I have a question for you, Michael. Um, You've dealt with a lot of people. Uh, Do you find and please explain this as you best understand it. Do some people, are they already predisposed to having damage because maybe they're not uh, capable of fighting these invaders successfully? Or is it that we all start off with the ability to fight, but through the modern lifestyle and diet, we start to destroy our ability and we're not providing the proper nutrition and lifestyle to combat it. Um, Does it start with the person? Does it start with the lifestyle? Is it sometimes one and the other or a combination? I know that's kind of a convoluted question, but do you know what I'm trying to get at here is is when we talk about these genetic mutations and and we look at this uh, onslaught of chemicals in our environment, can we in fact counteract that through lifestyle? Absolutely. And I'm going to give you a convoluted answer to a convoluted (laughs) Well, this is not an easy topic to parse out, I think. And so, you know, it's, it's going to be convoluted because these are challenging topics to explain uh, to the average person. And I'm an average person, so I'm going to learn from you right now. Oh, well, let's hope I can enlighten you. Uh, I you don't do know always. That I can. First and foremost, the lifestyle that we live is a reflection of what we think and how we act and what we think is expected of us and how we try to fulfill our subconscious expectation of self because the mind is like a computer runs on specific programs that have specific end results. For our discussion, I would say that as human beings, what we try to do is fulfill our subconscious expectations of self. So that creates the lifestyle. Now, because of marketing and programming, remember, we're programming the biocomputer and the greatest programmer is the TV. So one of the things that the TV is doing, uh, let me back up a half a second. Our parents begin the programming and we start getting programmed while we are in the womb. This is why some children are goody two shoes. Some kids are hell on wheels. It's the association they make with love. And that's a whole other conversation which is is appropriate to cancer. And we'll get into that down the road when we really get into cancer. This is kind of like, I want to answer, you know, Bob's question. And now your question that you bring up. So inherently, we do have the ability to have incredible health. The secret 
is the immune system. It is our first line of defense. That's why, and we've talked about vitamin A and how vital that is and how protective it is. You know, from an energetic point of view, vitamin A helps with night vision, right? Yes. So what does night represent? Night represents preparation because if you go back to Genesis, in the beginning, you know, God created heaven and earth and then God rested and night begins the next day. You got to really read that. But, you know, night precedes day. So night is a time of preparation. This is one of the reasons why dreams are so vital from yet another point of view, because your mind had been triggered during the day. Certain things happened that set in motion your a subconscious concept, which in turn set up a pattern of behavior that is designed to validate and fulfill the expectation associated with the concept. Let me give you an example, and it's my own. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was attacked by a black cocker spaniel. Now, I've had dogs my entire life. I love dogs. Actually, dogs and children really like me. Everybody else is questionable, but kids <laughs> and dogs, they like me. However, whenever I see a black cocker spaniel, I immediately have a biochemical reaction. My heart starts thumping and a little bit of adrenaline is released because when I see that, I don't know if that dog's going to attack me or not. What it does do is that it's telling me that fear is at work in my life. So now that I've had that sign, if you will, I begin to question, what am I going through? Where am I headed? Where am I coming from? How is fear operating? What's going on? So in that way, your mind works for you. It also can work against you when you fulfill these expectations that take you to a lifestyle where you're always in a hurry, you only have an hour for lunch, and, and that really is all we do, you know, unless you're an executive and you can take an hour and a half. But fundamentally, us working folks, you know, we've got an hour. And so, so many people out of convenience and because the way society is structured, we run to the fast food realities. Therein lies the culprit, part two, because part one is you're not getting enough nutrients so the immune system is your first line of defense. Going back to A and dreams and night and preparation, let me conclude that. A helps you see into the doubt. Forewarned is forearmed. So learn to analyze your dreams. It would really put you in a good spot. Vitamin A is the first most protective nutrient. And it was really interesting during COVID, and I think we covered this before, that all the doctors talked about was C, D, and zinc. No one ever brought up A. And yet, from my point of view, A outperforms all of them. So having a good, healthy, vibrant immune system is truly the first line of defense against cancer. Because, you know, a cancer cell, and this is what I found interesting because of another family member having it, is that I look at cancer as an alien life form in the human body, and it wants to survive. Now, here's an off-the-wall thought that Peter presented to me. 
He said, the only reason people are dying from cancer is because there's no glial communication. In other words, the cells don't talk to each other to be able to differentiate into specialities. So they're all the same. And he said, the reason that they, aside from that issue, the reason that they're mutating is because they're trying to live in harmony with the polluted environment. So his concept was that cancer is part of the evolutionary process, adjusting us to the polluted air, water, food that we're consuming. The catch-22 is because there's no glial communication, the nerve, the cells aren't talking to each other, so they don't know how to work in concert to get things done. And obviously, they end up killing the host because they haven't been able to convert that person into a viable entity. Strange, yes? Well, you, you print, presented a number of things there. Um, and let me just then ask you a couple questions. Getting back to the idea of the mind, one of the things that I have found common with people who are struggling with cancer is the idea of visualization and using your mind to set up a scenario where your body is able to fight back and you're able to visualize soldiers fighting off invaders mm -hmm. um, and trying to use the power of the mind to influence what's going on in the body. Do you have any thoughts on this concept of visualization or an expansion of it that um, might be useful? Is that something that you see as viable for people? Absolutely. To the point that if people will write to me, I already have a relaxation tape that is designed to take you into the pyramid of Giza or the pyramid of the self. And I walk you down and then your guides greet you. And then there's an examination table where you can do a scan of your body, your aura, to see where disharmonies are. And the way that visualization works, and we're going to go back to the analogy of a biocomputer, when you're in that relaxed state, you use your third eye, your imagination, your visualization to do a couple of different things. One, I'm all about the white light. So what I teach people to do is in a relaxed state, the first thing you want to do is you want to focus your white light, make it into a laser beam and go after that area where you see the cancer and begin to cut it away. It's the same analogy as using soldiers killing the cancer cells. Here we're doing laser surgery. So you cut it away. The next color you do, once you've cleaned up the area, then you visualize it in red. What does red represent? Blood. By drawing blood to the area, now you're cleansing away the dead cells, the dead tissue, and you're bringing blood, you're bringing life, you're bringing oxygen, you're bringing spirit, you're bringing nutrients to begin to heal the area. Then I have them visualize that same area covered in green. Green is the color of healing. That's why our herbs predominantly are green. Our vegetables are predominantly green because green represents healing. So you do that, you know, once you're done that process, now you begin to climb the steps back up out of the self, out of the pyramid, and you've done a session. 
So I have a tape that you're all welcome to. All you got to do is, you know, drop me a line, Dr. M at michaelshealth.com and put in the subject heading relaxation, and I will send you a link to download that. So yes, visualization is essential for healing whatever is wrong in your body. Well, would that suggest that when you have problems, health problems, that one of the things that you should do is try to think positively and seek ways to influence yourself positively. And conversely, would it suggest that people who fall into depression or despondency and worry, you know, that they're actually might not just be experiencing those emotions, but those emotions might actually be affecting them adversely in this battle. So is it that we can do both sides of this equation? One of them almost comes automatically, the worry and the fear, the promise and the hope comes from proactive uh, engagement in confidence in our healing and in our spirit. And so that those things are within the power of the individual to influence. Without a doubt, this is one of the reasons, you know, it goes back to a cliche, which I believe is a universal teaching as well, is that you are what you eat. So you got to clean up the diet, obviously, and you are what you think, which is why it's so important to go within and really seek to understand why you think you need to be and act the way that you do. I see we're, we're almost out of time. And I think we should pick this up next week as well, because I still have to answer Betty's question. <laughs> okay. Okay. And her question was, why do I have breast cancer? So I, I and that's really interesting because it'll help us understand the emotional connection that causes cancer. You are what, to your point, you are what you think. So surround yourself with positive people. Stop watching the news. <laughs> and try to turn into good news or tune into good news, read life-inspiring stories, people, different things to get your head out of the woe and, you know, the doldrums and woe is me. What I saw with my own family member going through cancer, which took me to a whole other level of thinking, was that you end up falling into depression because you think your life is over. And it's not. It is on one level, an alarm clock. It's saying to you, get your act together, examine your diet, examine your mind, use your mind to grow yourself. So until we get back together again, Steve, any last thoughts on that? I do have one last thought. And this is one of the things that my wife and I have been focusing on and practicing. And that is the concept of gratitude, huh. that regardless of your circumstances, you should seek to find those things that you can be grateful for, because we all have them. And that helps turn our mind to that which is good in our lives, even while we mm -hmm. deal with these struggles. So this one word gratitude has meant a lot to me, and I think it might be appropriate in this context. Without a doubt. And I am very grateful, a form of gratitude, to have you as my co-guide because of what you bring to the table. And so well, I thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. I enjoy our conversations, and I know they're meaningful. And so um, I'm enjoying it, and I look forward to our next episode. As do I. And I just hope that the folks out there don't get scared 
and turn away because the information that we have for them can save their lives. It certainly will improve their health. And like we talked about knowledge and wisdom, you know, having intellectual knowledge is one thing, applying it is wisdom. And on that note, I bid you all a fabulous everything, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, Michael. Goodbye, folks. We'll talk to you then. Thank you for listening to Naturopathy Today, sponsored by MNP, Michael's Naturopathic Programs at michaelshealth.com. Join us every Monday for the latest episode in this journey to excellent health on all levels.